0: Welcome to MM Plays, our podcast where we design, play, and discuss a game and campaign. Along the way, we will alternate episodes between actual play adventures and the analysis and discussion of games and design theories that relate to the campaign we're playing. For this campaign, we'll be using the mechanics of Cortex Prime, designed by Cam Banks. We randomly selected a theme and ended up with swashbuckling high school urban fantasy. So join MM Plays as we explore and enjoy a new campaign.
1: And now for the introduction of our players. My name is Chris Nizak, and I'll be playing Silas Flamworth, some of the Flamworth family with a frozen soul that's not my own.
2: I'm Old Man Logan. I'm playing Henrik Gunny Gunderson, a normal teenager who's about to discover something extraordinary.
0: My name is Jared. I'm playing Santiago Zircon. He is the rebellious and reluctant scion of a powerful magic family.
3: I'm Phil Vecchione, and I will be your GM. Welcome, everybody, to our first official session of Children of the Shroud. Yay! Woo-hoo! I have the table set up for tonight's game. In the center of the table, we have our safety tools. We will be using the X card as our consent revoking tool. So if you want something out of the game, remember, just exit out. And I've deployed some of the script change cards. We'll add some of the extra ones in later. But for tonight, I have pause. So if we need to stop play for a moment, you can just say pause. I have rewind, so if we want to back up and fix something in the game, we can rewind. And I have fast forward, so if something is uncomfortable, but you don't really want to exit out, but you just don't want to linger, we can fast forward into the next scene or the next part of the scene. In addition, I've handed out uh, plot points to all of our players tonight because this is our first story. Everybody's starting with a single plot point. You all know how to get more plot points, and when it comes up in the game, We'll talk about it a little bit more and our character question for this session comes from Jim, who asked us, how do you get to school? I've worked it into the adventure, so I'll be asking each of you during the session how you get to school. Keep that in mind. But thank you, Jim, for your question. And we'll be adding questions from our Slack room into the beginning of each of our stories. I know that in the intro of the show, you guys all introduced your characters by name. But I would like to just start, since this is our first session, with a quick around the table, introduce your character, name and pronouns, general look, short description for Silas and T. Talk a little bit about your magical powers. Sorry, Gunny, you don't get to talk about yours yet. No worries. Let's start with Jerry.
0: Santiago Sercone is a member of the Urda magical t- tradition. So he's earth aspected to those who can see magic. He looks like a blue and green-skinned Medusa. He's got snakes for hair. He's about average size. He's a little bulkier than than he was a couple of years ago. Um, he looks like somebody who'd be on like the football team or the soccer team. He dresses pretty much in rebellion of everything else that's going on around him. So he's got he's always wearing t-shirts and torn jeans and the like. Uh, to the mundane people, he looks like kind of a, a stocky young man with dark hair that's always out of place no matter how he combs it it always seems to be popping up all over the place his background is that his family is one of the movers and shakers in the veil which is the magical organization that kind of keeps things safe on earth he didn't want to be part of the veil he didn't really want magical abilities he's perfectly happy just living his life and not going into the family business and then woke up one day with magical abilities and he's kind of pissed about it on the outside
3: so one thing that i want to add is your looks only manifested itself like late in middle school. And then as, like, it's the first sign, like all elementals, you're a modern elemental, all modern elementals, their looks manifest in their early teens. And then if you're going to get magical powers or not is in your late teens. And I will bring that up. Now as a little bit of foreshadowing.
1: So I'm playing Silas Flameworth and Chris. My character is human. I'm a magical human. I am a middling height, like five, eight, I'm kind of thin, uh, lengthy. I dress very fashionable, relaxed, fashionable. Like I wear a lot of button-down shirts and uh, nice pants, slacks usually. Comfortable shoes. I I look good most of the time. I'm well-dressed. Your family's fairly wealthy,
3: so even your casual look is probably pretty expensive, right? Yeah. And I'm going to just ask you really quick, he, him pronouns. Yes. And I think that's also true. Correct.
1: Perfect. Continue. My magical powers are not my own. They're uh, my my, uh, deceased girlfriend's. And they are water, mostly ice based because she was an
0: ice elemental. And I think, T, did we talk about your magical powers? He has uh, earth based magical powers, which is what his family has. Yeah. He's still learning how to use them. And then our perfectly
3: normal high school student, wink, wink, Gunny, tell us your name and pronouns, general looks and a like short description, you know, what you look like. Henrik Gunnerson
2: is about six foot tall, just a hair under, long brown hair. He's actually a good-looking kid. He's in good shape because he's been working at his parents' convenience store for a lot of his life.
3: So I just want to bring that up. In terms of where we are in the story, your father has not been in the picture for about the past five years, correct?
2: That is correct. As far as Gunny knows, his father was killed in a car crash about five years ago. So it's just been him and his mom. He looks like he could be an athlete, but he's not very coordinated, so he's never actually tried out for sports. A lot of people have tried to get him to do it, but he's never been really amenable to it. Otherwise, he's smart. He's in the top of his class in the debate club. Hangs around with a lot of smart kids focused on his scholastic
3: skills. Excellent. Thanks for the introductions. Part of our setup for our game in choosing our mods was the milestones mod for advancement. There are a set of story milestones for tonight. Those of you who've downloaded our rules for the game can see the other two milestones are high school and shroud milestones, but I will just read out tonight's story milestones as they are also a little bit of foreshadowing. So 1 XP when you confront someone with or about a problem, that's pretty broad and for 1 XP it's meant to be. 3 XP when you use magic, that will not be the case in every adventure but for tonight, gonna give out a little experience points for getting into some magic, and And I think this is probably the largest foreshadowing. 10 XP when Gunny's powers manifest. What? So I think we know where tonight's session's heading to. And with that, I think we can actually get into our first scenes. And I'm going to start with Silas. This has been your life for the last couple weeks. Every night, you dread going to sleep because of the nightmare. And that's where we're going to open. In a large house on Delaware Avenue where the large, big, old mansions of Buffalo still stand. Many of them are occupied by companies and foundations, but in this case, the Flamesworth family have had their mansion since the early 1900s. And it is your home, and it is pretty spectacular. In your room, we kind of come in through the window, lights are off, and you are in bed, tossing and turning, caught up in... The cycle that has been happening for the last few weeks, which is the nightmare. And as we kind of zoom into you, we get another picture of your room. It's evening. What are you doing that evening?
1: I am doing my homework.
3: Sitting at your desk, working away. You've got a very nice, cool auto standing desk. So you're sitting doing homework. You have, you know, gorgeous Mac, beautiful, huge display at this desk. I have another desk with a gaming PC. Absolutely. You're a rich kid. You have these things. Yeah. So you're doing your homework and your room is up on the second floor. Your windows are kind of old fashioned. They swing out. You know, this is a restored turn of the century, turn of the 20th century house. Your window blows outward because they open outward. But a gust of air swirls up in your room. Your windows blow out and the air is like foggy, moist and A cloud of like water vapor, even like a little bit of rain you hear, rushes up to the window and your girlfriend lands on your windowsill. Not gracefully hits the windowsill and falls into the room, dripping wet with her sword in hand. She's only manifested like a couple months ago. Her sword is crumbling and she looks pretty busted up. She's pale, she is wet, because she's a water and ice elemental, so she is, like, wet all over, which is also a sign of perhaps using her powers. But she looks terrible, and she falls into your room. What do you do? I jump up from my desk, I run over to her, I'm like, are you okay? What's going on? She staggers and, like, grabs onto you, and she's trying to speak, but she can't seem to get words out with any kind of audible... Force, right? Like everything's a whisper to
1: you. Oh, I'm like, mess with me, mess with me. I'll, I'll go get some help. Just, just wait a. I- she pulls on you, like, no, no, no. There's not enough time. And I assume she's just mouthing that at me. She's
3: hoarsely whispering it to you. Like your faces are really close together. There's not enough time. No one can help me at this point. I need you to do something for me. What do you need? I'll,
1: I'll do it right now. What do you need? The oh my gold- god, are you gonna be okay?
3: No. The gold blade with the blue stones has stolen my essence and the rest of it I'm giving to you. And she takes her sword and it glows like really bright. And she slams it into your chest while holding you. And it doesn't cut you. It becomes immaterial and goes inside you. It does come with a certain amount of pain and shock of which you fall back from her and land on the floor of your room Your head hitting the carpet floor, and you
1: black out for a second. That's on top of the pain and shock of her saying that she's not going to make it. Correct.
3: You awaken suddenly, like those last words, like, I'm not going to make it, are in your ears. Your eyes open, and your window is still open, but Mesa is nowhere to be seen. The carpet and floor around the window is wet. There's like a small puddle of water. You see this light starting to grow from the center of your chest and it's bluish white and it's like getting brighter in the middle of your chest and brighter and brighter and there's something, it's not painful, but there's this itchy compulsion to touch the light.
1: And I reach up and I touch the cold, cold
3: light. And you can feel something. Your hand goes inside the light and you're sure it's not inside you, but it's inside somewhere. Your fingertips feel... This hard, icy object. I grasp it, and I pull it. You pull it out, and... It does not feel good. It is Mesame's... It feels like my heart breaking. Yeah, and it looks like Mesame's sword, but different. How is it different?
1: Mesame's blade was a pure white blade that was a rapier. This one, the blade, all of the icy shards... Are just chunks like they've been shattered and put back together. And they're held together by I don't even know what. And snow waves off of the blade. You pull it out, you can see it. And that's when you wake up in bed
3: covered in sweat. It's been a few weeks since that night. The sun is out, it's morning. And you're like, fuck, I just had this dream again. I'm going back to sleep. And as soon as your head hits the pillow, your phone goes off for your morning alarm for school. T, does your family live in a pretty prominent house as well, or are they like a little more? Oh, no, very much so. I'm going to go put you near Delaware Park. Okay. On that road that goes like right by the park, there's a pretty nice row of houses there. So you're actually not far from Silas, and you're like close enough that you can just walk into the park. To extend that, I think your family. Part of what your family does for the veil, they have several rituals during the year in celebration and, in you know, in taking care of the element oh. of Earth in Delaware Park. Yes. You can actually see Delaware Park out your window.
0: Uh, you also live in a nice house. What does your room look like? He's got computer set up in the corner. All the lights are painted over so that when he turns them on, there's odd colors in the room. I'm going to give you a uh, Gen Z equivalent to that. Please do, do. LEDs. He's got... Posters on the walls for a couple of punk bands like Electric Nuns or Scramble Muck. The rest of his room is surprisingly neat. He's got piles of stuff, but they're organized piles. His bed, it's not tight made, but the blankets are back on the bed, that sort of thing. He's got a couple of mirrors set up. He doesn't have a lot of hair care products around, but he's got a lot of rubber bands and things like that because of the snakes.
3: You have like oils or something like you have to oil it so they don't get yeah. too scaly, and yep. dry yep.
0: Yep. and his skin in general. But yeah, definitely sure. that's because they don't behave themselves.
3: Are you a PC gamer or are you a console gamer? He's
0: a PC gamer, PC
3: gamer. PC okay. gamer yeah, just like Silas has a PC rig. You mm-hmm. also have a pretty nice PC rig probably as well. Your family's yep. pretty well off. Mm-hmm. You have siblings,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Several have, of them, right? I have a younger sister and I have uh older brother and sister who are twins.
3: So everybody's kind of getting ready for school. Mm-hmm. The house is pretty busy in the morning mm-hmm. for your house. Your parents are up getting ready. Your parents work for the Vale in different capacities. And you've got a pretty big dining room. And like your dad cooks breakfast every morning mm-hmm. and everybody kind of picks their stuff up from the kitchen and heads to the dining room. It's usually a pretty chaotic scene. But as you're all gathering for breakfast, you sit down and your mother says good morning and then points to her cheek. <sighs>
0: And then Strolldress slumped, makes a big deal of very dramatically slumping over and then giving her a little, a, a, a very nice peck on the cheek. And,
3: and she, then, you know, strokes a couple of the snakes on your hair. Like
0: She's also Medusa. Yeah. She's she's the Medusa side of my family. My dad is, is a magical human. And he will turn and shuffle back to his table and just shake his head.
3: You are never too old to kiss your mother good morning. Isn't that right? And she looks at the twins and the...
0: Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: The twins both nod. When he sees his brother, he begins to raise his hand up and then he realizes that giving his brother the finger first thing in the morning from his parents, probably not the best thing, but he just stares at them both and then grumbles and grabs his food, but isn't really all that upset about it. He's just trying to put on airs and <laughs> shuffling around.
3: Making himself look a little more rebellious. Yes,
0: yes.
1: Your older sister turns and is like, T, you're such a punk. And she goes back to eating her breakfast.
0: He smiles at that and just, uh, he takes a sausage and pops it in his mouth. As
3: your mom's eating, Between Bites looks at you and is like, oh, T. I need you to keep Saturday free. Why? My friend from Rochester is coming into town with her daughter, mm-hmm. a nice edger girl named Casey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you should meet Casey. You should be here at the house. When they get here, Casey's your age. She goes to school in Rochester. And uh, I thought you two, you know, might want to just hang out.
0: Has she got powers?
3: She is awakened. <sighs> All right. Good. I thought you were going to fight me on this, but apparently you're not. And that makes me very happy. think it'd be very nice for you
1: to meet
3: and spend some time with a nice magical girl.
1: The uh, sister leans over to Geode. It'll never work.
3: I bet it'll be the disaster it was last time.
0: Absolutely. I love the fact that my parents named my older brother Geode. I don't let him live that down.
3: Oh, the sister's name is like Amethyst.
0: Yes. Of course. And I will always play her now until I can't. T looks up and uh, just looks at the three of them. I was told I should pick my battles. This is not the place. I'll I'll have some more syrup, though. And he just covers his sausages with syrup before eating them.
3: Your father walks in carrying his plate, having fed everybody else. As he's walking in, he says, oh, T, don't feel so bad. A good urger girl is a treasure unto herself and leans in, kisses your mother, sits down with his plate and coffee, takes a sip. And they both kind of look at each other and have this like, Little smile for a moment kind of thing.
0: Oh Oh my God,
1: get a room. I agree. Their parents are so gross. Wouldn't you say so, (laughs) Geo?
3: Cut over to Gunny. You are also having a dream. As we kind of pan in, I think we see a smaller house, right? These two live like on Mansion Row. This
2: is a small two-bedroom apartment above the convenience
3: store. Oh, so you actually live really close to school. Yes. Okay. This is the kind of squarish... Store apartment thing with the apartment above and the store below. Okay. What does your room look like?
2: Very sparse. There's a twin bed. There is a hand-me-down desk that looks like one of the legs could go in any minute. There is a hand-me-down computer. (laughs) This PC is by no means a gaming rig.
3: This is a Dell. It's thick.
2: A 14-inch flat panel monitor. This is not anything special. There is a small mirror on the wall. A closet that does not have a door and two adornments throughout the uh, the entire room. One is one of those the kitten hanging off the branch mm-hmm. hanging there that his mom gave him when he was going through a tough time. So she gave him that. He's got it hanging on the wall, and the other is periodic tele- table of elements. Mm-hmm.
3: Quite familiar with it. And
2: that is about the extent of it.
3: <laughs> Your dream is not nearly as traumatic as Silas's dream. Good. But it's pretty interesting. Your dream is some sort of nondescript Viking esque dream. You're in the snow. There's mountains all around you. There's a huge battle going on with various warriors with axes, swords, chainmail, the wooden shield, the whole thing. Like, there's this big battle, and you are like in the middle of it. And As your alarm goes off, you wake up with Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song in your head. We come from the land of the ice and snow, from the midnight sun where the hot springs flow. And I'm going to assign you a complication for a while. You're going to keep this complication with you. It is a D6 complication that is ah, ah, right from the song. All righty. That's on the table. I'll be using it. certain times when rolling against you for certain things. And what it reflects is like, you can't get this dream and the song out of your head. For whatever reason you've woke up this morning and you have it in your head. Do you know your dad liked this song? But you don't know why you woke up with it. And it is now looping through your head.
2: Classic earworm, like I can't get rid of this. I try singing something else and it just keeps
3: coming and back. and weirdly like you you haven't encountered the song any time recently but it was in your dream and now it's like stuck with you okay this is gonna be a fun day okay. back to silas you wake up the shitty night's sleep once again how do you get ready
1: i get up first thing i do is i hold the sword out from under my bed and look at it oh you, you just leave it out laying around in your room i mean what else am i gonna do with it put it away it's under my bed.
3: Okay. And by put it away, let me just for our listeners, there is a convention in the game where there is like a pocket dimensional space that all mages can actually store their magical weapons. So you don't normally leave it laying around. You would put it back in its pocket dimension. I don't know how to do that yet. We'll get to some more questions. I know. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk. Yeah. Well, we'll unpack that in a
1: moment. Continue on. Right. Take out the sword. You're looking at it. Yes. I'm like concentrating on it because I know magic. I just don't know how to do that yet. Yeah, you know a shitload about magic, actually. Uh I've been trying to store the sword for like two weeks now, and I can't do it yet for some reason, because I just don't understand how, like, this is... I don't have one yet. I don't have this weapon. I don't have my own weapon. This is the first one I've gotten. It's not mine. I know it's not mine. Yeah, and you're highly recommended not to try to point it at your chest and shove it back in. The first day I tried to do that, and I caught myself. Yeah. It was a bad idea. It's been
3: highly recommended in your after-school club not to do that again.
1: So I've tried... By the way, in the past two weeks, a bunch of rituals to try to commune with the sword, try to understand the sword, try to figure out what's going on with the sword. Nothing's worked. After 15 minutes of that, I'm like, well, okay. I put it back down, lean it against the wall, go take a shower, grab my clothes, which I've already picked out because I have all my stuff set up for the week because I ain't got time to waste. That's my kind of guy. I take archery at school. So I have like a secondary archery case that I've then hollowed out to put the sword in. Yeah. So I have a second one that I now bring with me to school too that- I just put in there because I'm a rich kid. Oh, it's so weird being a rich kid. I mean, these problems are money solvable. I know, right? Uh, I walk downstairs. I eat breakfast. Your breakfast is set aside for you.
3: It's already been made. It's waiting for you on the counter. And as you pick it up, you can hear your parents talking in his private study. Sometimes he works from there. Sometimes he goes into he often goes into the office. But during COVID, he did a lot of stuff from that office. But the door is open, and you can kind of hear it just as you're like picking up your breakfast from the like by the stove and gonna go sit in the island in the kitchen. And he's talk he's obviously talking to your mother. He says, I told her that she's absolutely not to contact him. There's an investigation already. I know how it looks, but there are a number of explanations for this. He he could have just awakened while just being in love with that girl. It's not common, but it wouldn't be the first time in history. That something like this has happened. There'll be time to talk to him about it once I know more about what's actually happened. I'm thinking to myself, oh good, this is bad. I'm going to quickly eat my breakfast and leave. Okay.
1: And I'm whispering because I'm being
3: very quiet about it. And you don't hear anything else from your mother, but a minute or two later, you hear the sound of your mother's shoes walk out of the office and head upstairs upstairs. And then a few minutes later, you hear your dad's footsteps, and then you hear the front door open and close, and he heads out to go to work. Cool. I go to school. Yeah, which gets us to our question
1: from Jim. How do you get to school? I drive my beat-up Volkswagen Beetle. Is it beat-up on purpose? It's beat-up because my parents wouldn't buy me a new car, because they're like, you need to learn how to have stuff that's not great. Now, let me ask you a question. When you say Beetle, are we
3: talking a 1960s Beetle, or are we talking a 2000s Beetle? Like a 2000s. Okay. I love those cars.
1: It's lime green. It's terrible looking. But it's a car. Sure,
3: it's a car, but you get some shit from this from your peer group. Of course I do. Yeah. Rich family like that, you got a
1: shit beater car? That's on purpose. They said it would teach me character. Hey, at least you have a car. Look, I'm fine with it. I have no problem with having this. I like having a vehicle. No, it's fine. You very quickly, like, after hearing all that. Yeah. I, I ate. I was really quiet. I waited for my dad to leave. I got my car and I left. Okay. I assume your archery cases are with you. Of course. Yes. Okay. I need them for class. You take off for school.
0: T, same question for you. How do you get to school? T has a car because he's a delivery guy. Sure. So what kind of car do you have? It's not fancy. All the cars I can think of are from the mid 90s.
3: What could be like a nice Nissan sedan kind of thing? Sure. sure. It, it's not new. It's not busted up or anything. It's quite reliable. It's a perfectly decent car. And honestly, it's nicer than Silas's. That sounds good. You hop in the car. You head to school, too. In fact, you guys are fairly close enough that you probably, you know, at one point see each other. I don't know which one of you stops at Tim Hortons or anything on the way to
0: school, but. Nope, I don't drink coffee.
3: You'll change your mind later, kid.
0: (laughs) I'm sure Silas will. (laughs) He definitely stops and gets some coffee. Gets uh, some bagels, some donuts. Gets gets a bunch of stuff. Comes in second breakfast. Second breakfast, yep.
1: You know what? I don't drink coffee, but I buy a bunch of lattes for all my friends. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's what I do. It's my day to buy. There you go. So Gunny,
3: you get up, still humming immigrant song in your head. Your mom has made some breakfast for the two of you. She usually makes something and then gets ready to head down to open up the convenience store. She's yelling out to you as you're like getting dressed. And she's like, she doesn't call you Gunny. No, I'm Henrik. Yeah. Henrik! I'm on my way down. Henrik, I left you some oatmeal. It's on the table. Also, don't forget after school... I need you back at the store. The shipment's coming in today, and I need somebody to help offload all the boxes. No problem. All right, have a good day at school. I will. Love you. Love you too. You hear her head downstairs. Back to Jim's question. I think I already know the answer to this. I was gonna get to school. W A L K, baby. Old school. It is fucking windy today. Your walk to school is like just in the wind, and it's February. Now, It's the kind of February we've been having, so it's 30ish, but windy, it's cold, and you're just angled like 10 degrees forward into this wind. You two, Silas and T, it wasn't windy when you left the house this morning, but as you approach campus, it is windy. You can see the flag. It's waving like really fast. the flagpole the people who are taking buses are like getting off and like huddling down a little as they're heading into school there's not a lot of snow there's not a lot of leaves but you can even see the trees you know just gently swaying back and forth A sign that it's a pretty windy day not that that's uncommon for Buffalo but you definitely didn't notice it when you left the house you just kind of ran into it as you got to school and for that I have suspiciously placed a trait on the table, Windy D6. Gee, I wonder
2: why. The uh, steady clang, clang, clang of the chain from the flagpole has turned into almost a continuous noise. There's no punctuation anymore. It's just this droning because the wind is whipping so much.
1: When I'm walking from my car, I'm strangely not nearly as cold as I should be. Yeah. Yeah kind of comfortable i mean there's a little bit of a chill but see everybody else like freezing and shivering and bundling up and whatnot
3: you don't even have your coat closed right yeah my
1: north face jacket is not closed yeah
3: and you know everybody else is kind of like you know getting out of their cars and you know like car doors are accidentally slamming because you know if it's facing into the wind boom the door slams as like somebody lets go of it and People are heading into school and all of you are filing in for homeroom really quick. I'll just zip around the table starting with T and ending with gunny. What is it like? Just give me like a few seconds of like, who do you bump into and what do you say? What do you do as you head into school? I don't say hi
2: to a lot of people. It would be the select few people from the debate club. Most likely if I see them first, I will give them a nod or hello or, how you doing? Generally, I tend to keep to myself when it comes to the rest of the school populace.
3: You're not unpopular, no. so like you get some head nods. What's up? Kind of head nods as you head in, but you're mostly kind of just doing yeah. your thing.
1: Silas, on the way to school, I stop and I pick up my buddy Derek. Okay, I pick him up from near downtown Buffalo because I'm coming from uptown, mm-hmm. basically the the north side of Buffalo, almost almost North Buffalo, not quite. Yep. I I slide down there. I stop. He lives in a uh, pretty much middle class neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Derek is, he's about 5'8 also. He's a little bit more heavy set. He plays football. Okay. He's a running back. Good student. Decent student. We've just been friends for a really long time. We went to middle school together. We've gone to high school together now too. That's where we met. I used to play a little bit of football. Then I realized I had no talent for it. So I got out of it when I hit high school. Stop. We used to play like in Tyro. That's Derek. He's just a a cool dude. He likes rock music, especially modern rock music. He's been dating our friend Jackie for a few years now. We all hang out together. We do normal high school things. Derek is not magical. He is not magical. Okay. And Derek does not know. He has no idea. And he didn't really need to know because I wasn't really very magical for a long time. The uncomfortable question
3: that Derek does not ask you this morning, but has come up several times, is... If Messame is okay, as far as everybody's school knows, Messame is like been out sick. yeah. Some rumors are like, "Oh, she got mono." Some rumors are like, "Oh, she got the long COVID." No one knows. And in the beginning, people like kept asking you, like, tell her, I said hi, I hope she feels better." Et cetera, like, you know, along those lines. But now it's been a couple of weeks, and it's starting to get
1: weird. Here's the thing that I've done. To like try to cover my tracks a little bit, yeah. Because I don't know, who I can trust. I called her house and talked to her mother and asked her where she was. Oh, you did that to throw everybody off. Yeah, the- I don't know what Earle said. Yes, but just her mother. We'll <laughs> come back to that. Okay. Just so you know, I did that mm-hmm. like a day and a half later, or a day later. I hadn't seen her. I had seen her, but like everybody else hadn't seen her.
3: Cool. I definitely want to come back to that. And I think just for context purposes. The conversation this morning that your father was having, where he said, I told her that she's absolutely not to contact him. You're pretty sure that statement was about Earlis. Absolutely. Okay.
0: I think everybody at the table thinks that was about Earlis.
3: And just making sure that we're 100% clear on that. Yes. And now everybody
1: listening knows it was probably Earlis.
3: Yes. So Derek, when he gets in the car, like he's like, yo, what's up? Grabs his latte, gives you the nod, takes a sip and is like... Do anything interesting last night? And you know that this is like him not asking, but kind of checking in.
1: I don't know what's going on with Mesame. I haven't heard. I I, I I didn't talk
3: about. I wasn't. I didn't say anything about Mesame. We've
1: had the same conversation every day for the last two weeks. All right. Fair. I'm just letting you know. I haven't heard anything. from her. I feel like I'm getting ghosted. Dude. I I just hope she's okay.
3: Yeah, I mean, it'd be ghosted is like, you know, if she just didn't talk to you at school, but like, and
1: it's killing me to lie to my friend.
3: He's like, all right. He's like, well, cool. We don't like we don't have to talk about it. He's, you know, he's like, "Uh, anyway, did you do
1: anything interesting last night? No, just my homework. Yeah. So no, didn't do anything interesting. Played some video games. Hmm. Anything good? No, just uh, this new game called the Pale Beyond. It's pretty fun. Hmm. Nice. Narrative survival on ice. Maybe I shouldn't have played that.
3: He doesn't get the reference, right? Like, he doesn't get the ice reference. No, so he's he like, did not. He's like, I, you know, I, I don't think it's bad. Like, any just dis- distraction is good. I spent my night cruising music on uh, on YouTube and stuff looking for bands. I don't know. Nothing great yet. I was going to make some TikToks. I got some reviews. Derek's thing is that he broke into his parents' Debeche Mode CDs <laughs> and has been making TikToks doing, like, first listenings. He's got, like, all these Depeche Mode, The Cure, things like that. And he just, like, listens to him and he films TikToks of his, like, first reactions. He doesn't have a huge following or anything, but he's getting some hits on him. Like, he's, he's doing some stuff. Personal Jesus slaps yo.
1: That's cool, man.
3: Yeah, he's like, I just,
1: you know, giving a listen. I'll check him out later. Why don't you put one of them on right now? We'll watch it while we're driving. It's like, yeah, hey, all right, hang on. Well, I'll listen. I won't watch because I'm driving. He takes out his phone, fiddles with it, puts it in your phone holder,
3: tosses you your phone, puts his phone holder in your phone holder, and like hits play. And you guys listen to it heading into school. Same thing. You get to school and it's like, you know, windy as hell out. Yeah, he gets out of the car and he's like, dude, he's like, what the hell, man?
1: It is kind of
3: windy here, huh? It wasn't like this downtown. Isn't it going to snow or something tonight? Maybe. I mean, it's February. Ugh, it's the worst part. I hate February.
1: Uh, here, I gotta go. Why don't you take this over to Jackie and and the rest of the folks? I'll see you later.
3: Yeah, he like takes it, and the wind like starts to blow, and he has to like quick cradle the lattes and hunches over them and like like heads into the into the building. And then you guys part ways, and you head off to homeroom.
1: No, I head off to go store my sword and my bow in my sports locker.
3: Okay, Creekside is a big, sprawling uh, high school.
1: Okay. There were
3: buildings and then they got like they built, you know, additions on like they just kept Frankensteining additions onto this thing. It's not a shape. It's like a bunch of rectangles all fused together and they're all roughly the same kind of concrete on the outside, but weathered at different ages. It's there, but it's Frankensteined.
1: I take it over to the Flameworth Athletic Center,
3: which I am so sad about.
1: That's your grandfather's doing. Yes. Yeah. I get there and I look at him like, <sighs> and then I walk inside because it's where all the locker rooms are. So yeah, you stash your stuff. You head off to homeroom.
0: T comes in and quickly makes a kind of surreptitious beeline for the library because back among the stacks is where he and uh, his new buds hang out. He slides back there and opens his backpack up and pulls out a box of uh, Timbits. They all sit around eating them and kind of noshing down. He uh, admonishes TJ to make sure not to get any like crumbs on the books and that kind of stuff because, you know, they're books.
3: Also, you're not supposed to eat in the library anyway. Well, no.
0: No. <laughs> but
3: but <laughs> that's why you hide in the back of the but No,
0: it's, But that's why we eat in the library. Yeah. Because, you know, we're rebelling against yeah. kind of stuff.
3: Proceeding along, homeroom goes through, you know, good morning, welcome, Creekside High, it's another fine February day, blah, 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 blah. And boom, you're off to your classes and off doing stuff. Silas. Yes. Surprise quiz in physics today. Okay. But there's a little at stake here. Mrs. Hill, your physics teacher. Announces that today's high score, she says, on the quiz, gets to stay after school to do this physics experiment. We, you know, we can't do it for the whole class, but for our high achiever, you can participate in this physics experiment. This is kind of Mrs. Hill's thing, is like participation, but like competition. Does she do like weird physics
1: experiments as like rewards too?
3: The best part of Mrs. Hill's class, and everybody knows this. As you go through, because everybody wants to get Mrs. Hill for physics is toy day where one day in the spring she brings out all these old 60s, 70s, 80s toys and demonstrates all these different things about physics using the toys like you don't actually do any work in class that day. She just does all these like cool demos. So she's like a pretty cool teacher and she's like a really engaged physics teacher. But in this case, the reward Because she likes a bit of healthy competition in the class. And there are class rankings for this class. The reward is this kind of extra credit physics experiment at the end of the day. Is Gunny in my class? Gunny is not in your class, but Lisa is in your class.
1: Okay, let's go, Lisa.
3: As soon as she says, like, the high score gets to participate in this experiment, Lisa turns around and looks at you, does the two fingers to her eyes, and points at you. And then she, like, smiles and, like, cracks her knuckles. In another part of the building,
2: Gunny feels a strange disturbance in the force (laughs) and sits there going, I should be there. I don't know what it is, (laughs) but I should be there.
3: Lisa, like, cracks her knuckles. She, like, checks her calculator and, like, picks up her pencil, and it's on. So Mrs. Hill passes out the quiz, and the way we're going to do this is that no one else in the class actually counts for this quiz it's just you versus lisa you are the top two and week to week one of you is the high student in the class and the other one is in second place i'm going to build my pool to represent lisa we're going to do this as a test okay this is a simple test so the highest total on two dice will be the winner sure if for any reason we tie the highest effect die would come into play
1: okay okay so this isn't actually a test then uh, this is just a check kind of thing. Because a check would be, I'd have to roll higher than you. Yeah, you want to roll higher than me. Yeah, I'm if sorry. I, if I tie you, then it doesn't matter because you win.
3: Well, if we tie and we need to tie, oh, I see what you're because saying. Because that's how that's how that's the fair. rules actually work. Yeah, so we'll do we'll do a straight up tie. We'll do a straight up check then.
1: Okay. Hey, folks. Chris here. I'm punching in just to make a correction. You'll hear this from time to time. What we're talking about here is actually a test. The correct terminology is a test.
3: All right. I'm going to go ahead and build my pool. Lisa is representing. Her overall skills with 2d8 and her distinction, she picks up another d8 for the
1: classroom is my arena. Mm-hmm. You get a d6 from me because this is one of my relationships and it's a, it's being used against me in yes. this situation.
3: Thank you. So I will also take your d6 relationship die for Lisa and add it to my pool. My total pool right now is 3d8, 1d6.
1: Okay, here's how I'm building mine. Good. My geek die is a d10. I'm putting that in my pool. I have a distinction that says... Learned in spite of being talentless because I'm pretty intelligent and that's I studied really hard because I didn't have magical talent I'm going to use my special effect from that by spending a plot point to double my geek die in any die pool where I'm using geek So there's my plot point that I just tossed to fill that puts another d10 in my pool and then I get a d8 because my uh, affiliation here for school is a d8 So I have 2d10 and 2d8. Well, you are playing to win today. I am playing Uh, to win. Would you like me to roll first? Yeah, you get to roll first. Okay.
3: I will roll first. Okay. So first of all, I've rolled no ones. Okay. Uh, Second of all, I am here to punish
1: you. You only get to pick two of those dice.
3: I picked two of those dice. I'm going to take the six and the eight. 14, huh? For a 14 and just stash these two off. All right, Lisa. Lisa, don't play.
1: Lisa, don't play. I think I lost everybody. Oh, I totally lost. Lisa wins. She wins this round. She won by a lot. I only got seven. Lisa like handily
3: cleans up this test and she like looks over at you. She like mouths the words like better luck next time. I I mouth back at her. Whatever. (laughs) No after school special for you. Uh, Lisa will be spending the. That's fine. Afternoon with with better things
1: to do anyway. Like figure out what's going on with the sword. So let me get this straight. The
3: reward for
0: working hard was more work?
3: No, it's
1: a cool experiment.
3: And actually, mechanically, it would have been. For Silas, the acquisition of a trait that he could have used for a future physics test. He would have had some additional understanding. Now Lisa gets that. Whatever. After a period or two, you have a free period and you head back to the library to your hangout Mm -hmm. with your friends. Today is also the day that the new version of Call of Violence comes out, which is a game that you have played past versions of Call of Violence for a while. As you're walking into the library, you see... Sergey sitting at a table. Now, tell us briefly who Sergey is.
0: Sergey is my oldest childhood friend. Mm-hmm. We grew up together. We were friends. He's completely normal. Mm-hmm. He's non magical. Non magical. Yes. And when my powers manifested by themselves and I suddenly found myself in a secondary circle of, of influence, I kind of was a dick to him yeah. and did that kind of I'm, I'm better than you sort of thing. And I've been trying to patch it up since then. Hasn't gone super well.
3: So you also know as you're heading into the library that Sergei obviously knows the new Call of Violence has come out because you guys used to play Call of Violence like on the same squad, despite the fact that you had to both con your parents into letting you buy Call of Violence when you were in middle school. But you guys, you know, you guys hatched a plan together to convince both your parents that it would be good for you because it would be something you could do despite the gratuitous violence in this video game.
1: I need to understand what is this game because it's not real.
3: I think it's a first-person shooter, but it's like absolutely bonkers.
1: It's just um, murder face, everything, blood flying all over the it, screen. It's,
3: it's cartoonish, but like all the weapons
1: are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like so are we like running like Doom plus Call of Duty here. That's what
0: I was thinking. I was thinking yeah. Doom plus okay. Call, Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah. Call of Doomty. Yeah, Doomty. But it's all
1: done like all the
3: graphics are done like cartoon like. Sure. Otherwise, it would be like horrific but it's like there's like the chainsaw launcher <laughs> like the rotary sledgehammer all the weapons are ridiculous and so, it's just gratuitous violence
0: so call of duty meets borderlands is what we're looking <laughs> yeah, at yeah like it's really that, right? yeah it's really that's like awesome some,
3: and some healthy amount of like ecstasy or acid or something involved in programming it
0: yeah so sergey's like
3: sitting doing some homework at a table by himself and you know that he must know the call of violence dropped today like Good guess that his machine is also downloading it right now as like yours is as we cut to your house and like the process bar on your, you know, you already pre-ordered it, right? So it's filling up while you're in school. The damage to your relationship with Sergey is represented by a crisis pool. Okay. So a crisis pool for our listeners is some sort of problem that is represented by multiple dice. And in this case, because this isn't end of the world kind of stuff, your crisis pool for connecting with Sergey, patching things up with Sergei is represented by 2d6. Now, you also have a relationship die with Sergey. Mm-hmm. What is that die? Also a d6. Okay. So that d6 also goes to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put that one off to the side. The crisis pool is represented by 2d6. For our listeners, what you do is if you want to remove a crisis pool from play is you make a check against the crisis pool. I will roll dice from the crisis pool jerry will roll dice and if jerry wins the check the effect die that is the third die that jerry picks from his pool if it is greater than any of the dice in the crisis pool in this case the d6 he can remove that d6 from play making the crisis smaller if it is equal to or less he can then step down one of the dice from the crisis pool but not remove it so are you going to take this opportunity Nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. I you take this opportunity to talk to Sergey? Of course. Okay, cool. So, is sitting at the table. He's got his Chromebook out. He's clearly working on some homework. You know, library's fairly quiet. A couple of people are milling about. The librarian's down a
0: ways behind the counter. So, walk over and sit down. Sergey, what's up? Hey, you think you're downloading today? Downloading. Come on, man. Do what came out today.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm downloading it. Why?
0: Me too. Wondering uh, which uh, squad you're in now.
3: I got a couple guys from uh chemistry class who are playing.
0: I remember back when we did that. He'll slide him over like a stale he'll open up the last couple of boxes, pieces of uh of donuts and he'll, like open up. He's like, I'm a little old, but we're not to munch yet. You got a munchie?
3: And he looks at him mm-hmm. just like he doesn't even move towards him yet and he's like, What do you want? Just came to hang.
0: We had a good time playing before.
3: Yeah, we had a good time
0: hanging before. Like, yeah.
3: you know, back when, you know, you were cool with me and all. Now what? You got like a different group you're hanging out with or playing you just you here to rub it in my face like what's no man
0: just i was a dick you I were know. a dick mm-hmm. i'm sorry man
3: perfect place let's yeah. build up some pools let's see how that apology plays out
0: i'm going to guess that this is going to be performer
3: performer is probably correct this is school absolutely we're my school is a d8. d8
0: so my performer is a d6 my school is a d8 and i just have a generic distinction because none of my distinctions apply here this is also your relationship di and my relationship died, which I is also a, a decent yeah, they should that.
3: both get it, right? Sure, because it's yeah. in contention. Yeah. You're what? trying to leverage it as a friend. He is hurt because, you know, he was a friend. Um and when you say your um let's see, where's your distinctions?
0: Yeah, Heart of Stone, which is for physical actions. Say my name when my family influence would be useful, and not just a huge dumb guy, which is for bumping up my geek because I'm not that smart.
1: I don't know. I think probably the last one
0: yeah, that's I think totally not, fair.
3: A, not a huge dumb guy fits for this. Yeah. Like okay. you're trying to show like you've got well, I mean that that's what I'm putting. It's in. definitely not hard to stone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can always put a distinction in a dice pool. You just gotta right. pick whichever one. Even if it's like super tangential. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and distinctions are meant to be pretty broad. Like you get one, you just work it in.
0: Yeah, no, I knew right. I had got the d8. So right. I have two d eights for my distinction and my school, and I got two d6 from the relationship and the fact that I'm using performer.
3: I will be rolling three d6. Mm-hmm. I have one one, and I have amassed a total of seven. Where was that?
0: <laughs> surprisingly i did not roll any ones what's your total i have a total of seven you have a total of seven i have a total of nine with a d8 effect die
3: excellent okay so your nine beats my seven Mm -hmm. which means that you're you've won this round Mm -hmm. and your d8 effect die removes one of my d6s from the crisis pool so in this case you have definitely had a positive interaction because we're not going to finish off this crisis pool today, no. but you have made progress. So back to the scene, you just said, I was a dick. And Sergei's like, yeah, you were a dick. And I accept your apology. It's cool. I've been like fucking around with those guys from chemistry, but they're all hella weak. Like they suck. They're total bots at this. And uh, I could use a squad mate that's got some game. I take it you still got some moves?
0: I got some moves.
3: Chainsaw launcher still your uh
0: still your weapon? No, I got the double ended chainsaw now, man. Close combat all the way.
3: Double ended chainsaw. Damn. He's like, "Ah, that'll work. I've got the um cinder block launcher. Text me tonight. Mm -hmm. And uh if my stuff's downloaded, we can do like a uh, two on two. Sounds good. Give it a try.
0: You knock them down, I'll chop them up.
3: And he takes one of your donuts and takes a bite out of it.
0: Donut diplomacy.
2: I hear there's some DLC for a chainsaw nunchuck trebuchet.
1: My favorite one is the rapid fire combat knife launcher. By the way,
3: listeners, if, uh, if you want to, you can also, uh, tell us your favorite call of violence, uh, weapons, uh, and, uh, any good ones. We'll work into, uh, future games in discussion as part of the narrative as well. Gunny, you're sitting in English class. The discussion is Shakespeare. And while the words of Shakespeare are quite beautiful, all of the words that the teacher is saying all have the same underlying music right now in your head. As you're sitting there, you're desperately trying to pay attention to what's going on in class, but you are like really fucking distracted today, whether it's that song or that like really weird ass dream you had, but like you're trying, like you're trying so hard to concentrate. And um, all of a sudden the papers on your desk start rustling a little. And, like, there's a breeze that's like starting to emanate from your desk. The fuck? And I need you to make a specific check here. I need you to make an emo veil test. I'm going to first assemble a pool here of 2d8 representing the overall difficulty. And I'm going to grab both the d6 from. Ah! and windy and assemble a pool of 2d8 2d6 okay go ahead and build me a pool using emo and veil and a distinction of your choice plus if there's anything else you have a special effect or anything else
2: my veil is d6 my emo is d8 and the distinction will be I can't disappoint my mom because I have to pay attention in school and get this figured out so that is 2d8 and a d6
3: I will roll your difficulty. Uh, I have one one and I have two sixes. Screwed.
2: Ouch, bro. Oh, this goes poorly. I have a six.
1: Yes. Did you roll any ones? I did not. Okay.
3: By chance, do you want to purchase the one that I have rolled? For what?
1: Yeah. We we actually don't know what's going on. I'm sitting over here and I don't know what's going on. Yeah, off the
2: top of my head, I can't think of anything that I might want to...
3: That's okay, that's fine. It was a
2: horrific failure.
3: Yeah, no, it's a spectacularly awesome failure. So, the papers are rustling. It feels like there's like a little tornado on your desk, and you're just like, what, what? And then all of a sudden, it just blows outward, and all these people in the classroom, their papers like go flying or whatever. And you notice this. No one else does. At least no one else in this classroom notices it. After the papers blow out, you see the window open. It wasn't open before. It opens. And so you're sitting there and all these papers are blowing and the windows open and the teacher's like, Gunny, why would you open the window? What's wrong with you? And everybody else is like, I d- Gunny, what? Like, Wait, No, that it opened... The wind blew it open. Wind doesn't blow a window open. That thing lifts up and like people are like, like, close the window. Everybody's like trying to get their papers. They're all like scattering about the room. I I get up and I,
2: you know, I rush over to the window and I slam it shut. If there's a latch, I flip the latch.
3: Yeah, it was latched. Like the other two windows were actually physically latched. It's now not physically latched, but you latch it. Okay. I return the D6 to Windy, uh, but for failing that roll, your ah, ah, steps up to a d8 of course it does now that song is even louder in your head and all you now can picture is people fighting with swords and axes and it's really starting to like it's really starting to bother you with no real understanding of what's going on awesome
1: thank you for joining us for misdirected mark plays now let's do some Patreon shoutouts to thank those wonderful patrons who support our show. Let's start with the Royal Court. Ty Pruny, also known as Lord Timonger. Lars Henrik Evjan, the Lord out of Time. Jim, the Royal Merchant Emeritus. Grammatic Chameleon, the Queen's Spy Mistress. Schmidty, the Keeper of the Labyrinth. Andrew Dacey, the Warden of Whiskies. Andy Olsen, the Duke of Dice. John Carney, the Court Necromancer. Craig, the Lord of One Name. Tiberius Starcrash Smith, the Baron of Britannia. GM Gerrymander, the Lord of the After Show. And Kevin Lovecraft, the Royal Beard. Also representing our patrons are Chris Constantine, Miko Froelich, Eric Simon, Kathleen Halperin, Christopher Gamelk, Michael Beck Asparum, Joseph Noll, Carlos Heptilemma, Michael Draper, Cubano, Alice Kira, Jim Fitzpatrick, Brantley Harris, Steve Radabaugh, Roy McLeod, Ninjabi, Richard Wyatt, Joseph Peralta, J.T. Evans, Brian Kurtz, My Brett, not My Brett, but somebody's Brett—Chris Steele, Jared Rasher. Eileen Barnes, and Brandon Barnes. Thank you so much for being our patrons. If you'd like more content like this, you can find it on our website at misdirectedmark.com. Want some more? Go to our Patreon page at patreon.com mmp. There's a bunch of bonus episodes, there's our after show, the Bamboo Lounge podcast, our MM Plays Game stuff, like our setting for the this game, the Children of the Shroud, my game development notes for the Lamplighter system are on there, our character sheets are on there, our mod stuff is on there, all sorts of stuff is on there, and you get access to our Slack room. And that's important because that's the best way to get a hold of us. But if you don't want to get a hold of us that way, you can reach us using email, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. You can also use Twitter, the best place is at misdirectedmark. Now, we have some other shows on this network. We have Pandas Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Bonus Experience, and Thaka with Advantage. Let's talk a little bit more about Bonus Experience. Monica and her friends explore gameplay and design through the lens of diversity, while also sharing some of the dumbest humor gaming has to offer. Now if that's still not enough, we have some friends who make podcasts. There's the Tabletop Bellhop, your board game concierge, the Knights of the Night who make excellent APs, and Mastering Dungeons with Sean Merwin and Teos abadia They're still doing their fifth edition thing and you can catch them on the podcasts or on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, How to RPG is by Sean P. Kelly of Gaming and BS. It's one of my favorite things going on on the internet on YouTube right now. And if you want a variety of games to talk about, go check it out over there. He is live on Saturday mornings. At 9 a.m. Eastern. Well, with that, this has been a Mr. Ectomark Production, the Media Arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop. We out.